Galaxy Lights, Coachella, Lightning Bolt Necklaces. 2023 was the year of Scandaval. On March 3rd, one cheating scandal launched a reality TV investigation that generated hundreds of conspiracy theories, thousands of podcast episodes, and millions of dollars in revenue. I'm Jody Walker, host of An American Scandaval. One retrospective story told in three salacious parts. Listen December 26th on the Ringer Reality Feed. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. Life is full of tough decisions, and thanks to USAA Auto Insurance, picking your auto coverage isn't one of them. Make the switch to USAA Auto Insurance and find out how you could save. Get a quote today. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me on this Friday morning from the ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Blizzarian, Kevin O'Christmas, Kevin O'Verno, you must be the happiest boy in the land right now after going 2-0, one week after the Dylan Brooks dagger that really hurt, uh, but here we are, Jaws back. I mean, I feel good. <laughs> feel good. Obviously, uh, you won most ill-timed tweet of the century. <laughs> Dude, that was so funny. <laughs> with the Pelicans being up by 24. <laughs> you were correct in feeling that I was like, oh, no. John Moran has come back, but they're still terrible. Uh, but what was they, the, what was the uh, biggest lead that that game? Twenty four. That's crazy. They were down by twenty four. They gave up, I believe, like a twenty six or twenty eight to two run at one point. Um, unfortunately, the blessing was for the Pelicans that Zion Williams got his third foul. Uh, Zion Williamson got his third foul and went to the bench. Uh, and then they just exploded. And then down nineteen. At halftime, but then he comes back in the ultimate storybook, which was him hitting the game winner against New Orleans and Herb Jones, uh, and then turn around, and I was at the Pacers game last night. Now, the Pacers have really struggled since the IST. Interestingly enough, as have the Lakers, who they played. Um, and, and, and they've both been on some, you know, had some road games, uh, post the Vegas thing. So it's something to monitor as we go into the future years of the in-season tournament. It might be too simple to say, Hey, here's the two teams that played the most games in the in-season tournament. And then they had struggles soon after. Um, I think part of it was, and just watching the Pacers last night, I believe nine times this year. Halliburton has been held under 20. Um, 
I think it's four consecutive now. And I don't think that that is necessarily uh, a mistake. That that is something that when you have something as high profile as that, and you have a team like the Lakers that had a game plan against the Pacers and a game plan against Halliburton, um, he is still an amazing player. But he's going to go through a stretch here where there's now a new book on, okay, this is the most offensively potent team. How can we attempt to stymie that? And so he is going to get all manner of attention in a different way than he ever has before. Uh, But so far, so good on the Morant front. Uh, You look amongst the best players in the league, and through two games, they have a plus 15.5 net rating with him on the court. And this was a team with, a, I think, a six-point point differential uh, with the 6-19 and record when he returned. And so, uh, you know, my, my, my hope was that that would be flipped. So far, so good on that. Schedule will get tougher as things go on. But the results so far have been that they added a superstar into the mix. And much like other superstars throughout the league, when you take them out, teams look terrible. And when you put them in, teams look good. <laughs> I mean, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think for for Memphis, obviously, you add John Morant. It's impressive how good he's been right away. Um, I mean, that second half against the Pelicans was unbelievable. The worst moment of your life or top 10? It it was really a storybook finish. Which was (laughs) worse, Morant's game winner or you exclaiming uh, that you had a Rudy Gobert best defender of a generation uh, jersey hanging behind you and then Joel Embiid has 51, which was worse. <laughs> which, if we're, if we're just the, ranking the, 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 the jaw game winner. Without oh, okay, okay. All right. Because <laughs> was in foul trouble, in fairness. That's why, that's why I wore this shirt today. <laughs> John Moran is scared of Mac McClung. <laughs> is that a in reference to the dunk contest? <laughs> yes. Oh. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I guess he's not. Uh, you know what they? Yeah, I was just thinking. About, <laughs> hey, I, w- I was just thinking about this in reference to the in-season tournament. Put five hundred grand on the line and see how many people do the dunk contest. <laughs> yeah, I know. Make it about money, of course. You'd, you'd yeah, see them all. Players. You'd, you'd get the best. Of the, you'd have the greatest dunk contest ever. <laughs> I know <laughs> the most creativity. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Uh, but, but from the Pacers side of it, though, I mean, like, I mean, it's like we talked about after the IST. It's really no different. Like, the Pacers need more ball handling around Halliburton, star-level ball handling. He needs some assistance. I did, you know, get to see them in person. Obviously, I saw them in Vegas. But getting to see them in person, you know who I really like and who's become a player is Neesmith. I like yeah, him. He's, yeah, he's a really good player. I like him. And he's I think really he's good. a he's kind of a dog, too. Yeah, I mean, like he defend he defended Tatum in the IST. He defended Giannis. He defended LeBron. Yeah. He's just he's only six foot five. And they need somebody bigger than him. But Neesmith is like you said, he's a dog. He's a tough, hard nosed defender. He fights. He can hit threes off a of movement, spot ups, tack closeouts. 
Lots to like with him. He also stands out like a sore thumb because he's the only one that defends anyone. That <laughs> is the worst defensive team. I mean, I uh, our, uh, one of our broadcast guys had a note last night saying it would rank as the third worst defense ever. I mean, yeah. there's no resistance to anything, Kevin. It's It's almost unfathomable that you can have the number one offense in the world and it would rank as a, the greatest offense ever. But then also in tandem have the absolute worst defense because the reason that seems so crazy to me is you're scoring so much that theoretically you should be getting to set up in half-court defense so much. To be that bad, it's different if you, you know, most defensive teams that are horrible give up a million points of transition, right? They miss their shot, they can't get back, it's scramble mode, cross match, whatever. They get to they get to set up in half court defense because they score all the time, and they still are awful. It's crazy if they just had a mediocre defense, they'd be fantastic. But it is abysmal. I mean, it is tough to watch. They don't. They don't. There's there's no the point of attack. There's no resistance at the rim. There's no resistance. Kick out threes are wide open. I'm like, damn, bro. Just five cones out there. The craziest thing is, is how their defensive defensive rating isn't the worst in the NBA. <laughs> it's, the, it's the Hornets and the Wizards that are worse. Somehow, there's teams that have worse defenses. Oh, really? Efficiency wise? Yeah, defensive rating. Yeah, Hornets are thirtieth at one twenty one point nine. Wizards are 29th at one twenty one point three, and the Pacers are one twenty one point one. They are the only I... three teams in the NBA <laughs> with a defensive rating. Worse than 120. I think it improved last night. Because going into the game, I believe it was 30th. (laughs) (laughs) They moved up. They moved up after that ridiculous performance. Well, speaking of ridiculous performances, Kevin, that was not the biggest story last night. It was the Grizzlies Pacers. It's just the game I happened Mm -hmm. to be at. The biggest story was this piston streak continuing, which... This was, in everybody's mind, the chance. I mean, even Woj was tweeting about, like, hey, no Lori Markinen, no Jordan Clarkson, no uh, Keontae George, no nobody. This Kinda, is the I, chance. I, this is yeah. it. <laughs> when Woj is <laughs> tweeting, this is the chance. This is it, I'm guys. Like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, this is the NBA story of the night. This is the chance. And they still got beat. And the fans are cheering or chanting, sell the team. Holy, I mean, that is the abyss, truly. When you lose to that Jazz team without their guys, it's the abyss. And I know I've seen the clip going around everywhere of Cade Cunningham saying, you know, we're not 2-26 and bad, even though they are. Obviously, they, all, they are they are that bad. They are that bad. They are that bad. They are that bad. Right. So I think I think I think you got to accept that realization. And one of the reasons is because of you. It's because like you saw that clip I tweeted out last night in the first half. Like, oh, I thought you were talking about oh, me. Not me. Not, not you. <laughs> I, like, like, it, I didn't it, do it's, anything. <laughs> it's it's Cade. It's Cade too. I know like that dude scores. He's had some offensive performances that are been way better in recent weeks than earlier in the season when he wasn't shooting over forty percent. 
But like that defensive clip that I sent out in the first half, there are too many examples of that from him and his teammates. But like the flat footedness, the lack of intensity. I know when you're riding that 24, now 25 game losing streak, it's hard to get locked in and try to treat a game like a must win. But that's you are that bad when you're all five of you on the floor aren't defending with intensity. Like that, the, the clip that I tweeted out with Agbaji receiving the ball uh, with a closeout opportunity and Cade is just like a little turnstile on the perimeter. And then Osar Thompson doesn't even help with the rim. That you're not going to win games like that. You're not. So I think blame is, blame is on everybody on that team. Um, but ultimately, now you go into Brooklyn on saturday they're going to be on the second night of a back-to-back they face denver on friday so the nets could conceivably be on a five-game losing streak you're going to be facing an opponent that's going to want to end their skid that they're on you got two games against the nets you gotta win one of those man or who knows how long this streak could go when you would have the longest single season losing streak of all time you gotta win one of these next two uh, but I, I, I worry for them, man, very, 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 very much, especially when they say we're not this bad. No, you are that bad. Well, and we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, and even the Detroit Free Press wrote an article about the pod that we did where I was so disgusted at oh, yeah. watching remember, the Pistons. You remember that? I was so yeah. disgusted at watching the Pistons. And here's the, here's the, big, here's the biggest problem. When you're talking about being flat-footed, you're talking about missing assignments, you talk about all this different stuff, right? Like, that is a team that you can't lose 25 games and be engaged with the coach. You can't. It's impossible. And so that is a team, and I've seen this happen in other situations. I covered a team like this where the when the young guys on the team kind of like band together and it just becomes a back of the bus f this guy it's you're not getting you're not roping those guys back in and it just starts spiraling and everybody grabs the box score after the game and they become concerned only with what they're doing and they're calling their agent and see it is there a way that i can get out of here and it's just it is it's tragic to watch it happen i have watched it happen up close before and they are not tuned into this guy. They've let go of the rope for him. And that's why it's the hardest situation in the world. They extended, you know, they gave Troy Weaver that contract extension for God knows why. And now <laughs> they just paid this. He is the highest paid coach in the NBA. And so there's nothing to do with him, right? Like most of the time, you would just blow it out. You would just say, all right. It's not working. Like any other coach, any other coach in the world would be fired. Any. There's no way anyone could withstand this if unless there is a organizational, you know, credo to lose on purpose, right? So Brett Brown was supposed to lose on purpose or Mark Dagnall at one point was supposed to lose on purpose or name the guy. They're not that's trying not the to case lose here. on purpose. I yep. know. This is just blatant incompetency. It's crazy. And they don't have, like, I look up and down their roster and there's guys I still like. It's unfathomable to me. Like, that is the one thing I will agree with Cade Cunningham. There's no way they should be this bad. 
They are, though. They are. And, you know, everybody loves Monty in the league. But, I mean, this well, is un- unconscionable. Well, I think the Suns, the Suns. I think the Suns were happy to move on. So maybe not everybody in the league. I'm talking about he is a beloved figure within NBA circles. A good, a good man. A good man. That's right. A good man. Yes. That's coaching. Right. Well, but, I mean, that's debatable. <laughs> I mean, it, well, look, there is no debate. He is a horrendous fit for what they have. This should be someone growing with the job, right? This should be someone that is trying to figure out, okay, here's how we develop this guy. Here's how we develop this guy. We're going to see what we got here. All right, we got a bunch of young talent. What fits together? And instead, you don't know what you're getting on a given night. And the, the means in which he has tried to get points across, I think, has led to guys losing confidence in him. Rather than being, mo- it, I think the, it goes without saying, than being motivated to be better. Right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what you said about John Morant made me think as you were just talking. You said how, like, if you don't have your star player, typically your team looks bad, right? Yep. And, and like, then you get that player back and suddenly the team looks good. And, and it just made me think about the worst teams in the league. And they don't have that star. None of them. Nope. None of them do. Like the, none of them have a top forty, top fifty player on their roster. Like the worst teams in the league, the Pistons don't. Sorry, Cade is not a top sixty, maybe not a top seventy player right now. Uh, the Spurs, Wemby on certain nights is, but most nights Wemby is not currently a top fifty player. The Wizards, they don't have a top fifty player. The Blazers, Jeremy Grant is their best player or Malcolm Brogdon or, or Anthony Simons, but none of them are top 50 players. The, the Hornets, they're without LaMelo Ball a lot of the time. I, none of like All the worst teams, none of them have mm-hmm. a star. And right. I think for the Pistons, that's part of it where I look at them and I see, like, yeah, you kind of are actually that bad. You don't have a star. Cade has not popped yet. You don't really have anybody to lean on on a night-to-night basis. And your depth is just okay. You have way too much overlap on the roster with too many guards who do the same thing. Too many bigs who don't offer much of anything. You're, uh, you're without your best player, Jalen Duran. He's your best player right now because of his two-way impact. And you're without him, and he's still not top 50. So I look at that team, and I'm like, yeah, you kind of are that bad. Uh, they should be a little bit better, but they're still crappy no matter what. Yeah, well, and they should be. You know, you should see signs of development into whatever I they know. can become. And that's what's not really taking place. It's too bad, man. It's sad, it's sad to watch. It really is. When, when do you think that streak ends? I asked you that on Monday night show, and we agreed that one of the next three, which was Utah, they lost that, and now two against the Nets, including one back-to-back for Brooklyn, and then Tuesday, the day after Christmas. So you still think one of the next two, or do you think that they – lose the next two in a row, and it keeps on rolling. Okay. My immediate reaction is they'll never win. My my logical reaction is, for whatever reason, it has been a minor talking point up until 
last night. So Woj tweets it. The whole world knows that this meaningless game between Utah and Detroit now has meaning because they are without their guys and this is the Piston chance. And they still lost and they still got embarrassed. And the fact that there are Cade Cunningham viral clips going all around about we're not 2-26 and bad and I still think we could get this together or whatever else, that all leads me to believe that they will have whatever their Grand Slam effort is will come next game. So you think it's Saturday against yes. the Nets on it, the road. It, it, because, because it hasn't been a thing. But now this is yeah. so embarrassing. This is so yes. every – I don't think your average fan knew until last night. But now everybody knows, considering everyone the circumstances. Everyone knows. Yes, with all and the guys so that were missing for Utah. Yeah, it's yes. so embarrassing. That it's like, dude, do you have if you have any pride whatsoever? And they didn't. You, they didn't last night. Right. They didn't have pride last night with that defensive effort, and that's where I'm like, mm, maybe it doesn't happen Saturday. But you, well, I think they you're probably right. they probably unbelievably looked at it like they wouldn't have to have. I know that's crazy. <laughs> they were favored in the game, <laughs> but it. I'm saying it is human nature to look across and and see a you know a bunch of guys that you know, the Fontecchios who you don't even know who that is if you're Jaden Ivey and go okay finally we got one and then next thing you know those guys that never played for Utah that's their chance and and, and they're running you out so i i would just say man if they don't win saturday after it's become this big of a story I mean, we haven't been talking about their losing streak. We talk about how disgusting they are and what a rat team they are, but we haven't talked about the losing. I mean, this has been the, their losing streak is now front page news everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like I said, when has Woj ever tweeted about a game? It's like he was tweeting about the damn Super Bowl <laughs> or something. It was the Jazz and the Pistons, and people like monitored it cares cash in on balling out this nba season with fanduel america's number one sports book right now new customers get 150 dollars and bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet that's 150 bucks if your team wins so if you've been thinking about joining fanduel there's no better time to join the app is easy to use and there's a wide range of ways to bet including quick bets live same game parlays the parlay hub and much more so visit FanDuel.com slash mismatch and turn dimes into dollars this season. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. 
Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, other things we got to get to. Pelicans rebounded from getting their heart ripped out and urinated on by John Morant. Um, (laughs) And they rebounded against the Cleveland Cavaliers. They did it without the services of Zion Williamson. Um, And I got to tell you, Kevin, I uh, we're kind of like teetering back the next way where people are like, uh, saying that uh, they think people are too hard on Zion Williamson. Um, watching them the other night, I told you when he got his third foul, it was actually a challenged play that held up, and he went to the bench. I thought that was by far the best the Pelicans looked. You go and look, it's crazy to me. Their net rating, they're a, they're dead even. It's like less than one with Zion Williamson on the court. To wit, Trey Murphy, who has come back into their lineup and has been absolutely awesome, they're plus 18 with Trey Murphy on the court. And when they have Zion and McCollum, it's a losing combination when those two are out there because it's just, it's too hard to hold together a defense with those two guys. He doesn't really defensive rebound. He doesn't really move on defense. He plays in these spurts and. Sometimes it's a spurt within a game. Sometimes it might be a whole game that he shows up for. But then you have, obviously, the, you know, it was a terrible day yesterday. Mariah Mills showed back up out of nowhere. And uh, with the video talking about sodas and treadmills. And the reporting gets done on his contract, which I think caught a lot of people by surprise. Tell me what you thought when you saw the details reported of Zion's contract and the idea that it is not fully guaranteed. But the Athletic had a full report that detailed every every you know little note you need to know. But the basics are this: the future of his deal is currently non-guaranteed because of his amount of games played last season. There, there's ways in which for him to regain guaranteed portions of the deal due to weight clauses, games played clauses, body fat percentage, and a lot of details like that. But as of now, the remainder of his contract is non-guaranteed. And that is fascinating to for, for him in this position where things feel like they're kind of at a near rock bottom, not quite at a rock bottom, but a near rock bottom where Zion, everybody's talking about him. His play is diminished. It's a scary spot for him to be in right now. And it's in the best interest of him and the Pelicans that you don't even think about waving him or getting rid of him or anything like that. But I think you're spot on, Chris, with what you said, that the team often feels like they operate better without him because of his deficiencies on the court and the things Which that he doesn't unthinkable. do. But tra- yes, but Trey Murphy is really, really kick-ass, dude. He does all those little things. 
and he shoots the hell out of the ball. I, I, I think with Trey Murphy, like after the game, Pelicans head coach Willie Green had some quote about how, you know, he should have had 40. And, and with, with Trey Murphy, he played 28 minutes last night. He has 28 points in those 28 minutes. I, like he had 10 three point attempts. I think Trey Murphy should be getting 10 three point attempts every single night. That dude is too awesome of a shooter not to get at least eight or nine per game. And he should be playing 30 to 35 minutes per game. Uh, I would hope Willie Green sees games like last night's against Cleveland and gives him more and more opportunity moving forward. But that's tough when Zion is, is getting those minutes. So how do you find those best lineup combinations like you did prior to the return of some of these guys? Like, can you find that again? And I think Trey Murphy's going to be a big part of that, though. Okay, so here's what I'll say on the, on the Zion contract front. And this is why it would be so concerning to me, Kev. Even the biggest slugs in the world, when they've got $100, $200 million on the line, you get a different deal out of that. I mean, look, look how much money Hassan Whiteside made in Mark his career. Blunt. Look at, I remember yeah. Mark Blunt in the, in the mid-2000s yeah. gave his the most amazing effort in his last contract oh. year. It was unbelievable. It was like, oh, my yeah. God, Mark Blunt, turn it around. And then he went back to lazy, lazy, lazy. And there was a long period of time where we always used to say, never trust a guy in a contract year. If a guy, like, all of a sudden starts playing at a rate that you just have not seen him play before, it's like, hold on now. Where has this been? (laughs) Because as soon as I give you the money, then what? But finding out that, to me, made it so much more concerning because he's playing with a contract with that on the line. And so Mm -hmm. to come back in the shape that he's in with the level of intensity that he plays with and knowing that the contract is online. Now, maybe it's just a lost hope thing where it's like, okay, now my contract's not guaranteed. So I don't, I don't even care. Or my other, and I don't think you need a tinfoil hat to say this. Does he want it to become non-guaranteed? Does he want to not be there? Because I just can't, fathom someone risking hundreds of millions of dollars uh, you know either it's either you don't care or you want it to be so and I, those are only two options to me because like I said even the biggest slug tries when he's got that much money on the line to play games to get in the best shape of his life because he you know right because it says it's reachable it's not like it's just non-guaranteed now he could get it back to where it is. But the, the the lack of effort to get it back to where it becomes a guaranteed hundreds of millions of dollars, to me, seems, I don't know, man. I, I don't know what to make of it. It's one of two. Yeah, I know. I know. It, it's, like, it's like these little little triggers within the contract that can guarantee the future years. If if he hits his weight check-in points, if he plays a certain amount of games, it's not like the most serious, you know, levels that he needs to reach. Like he needs to be under 295 pounds. That's very reasonable. (laughs) Under 295. (laughs) That's not. (laughs) But why doesn't he care about That's what's crazy to me. Uh-huh. If someone told you, I mean, look, if someone told you a weight to get under and here's what you get if you get under this weight. Yeah. Or 
someone said, hey, here's a games played you need to get to, and here's how much money you get if you do it, you would get in the greatest shape of your life. I would go from building like a going sustainable, you know, workout habits to I'm going to, I'm going to get shredded. That's what I would do with my own personal life. Yes. That's what's so concerning. And and that's just a normal human. We're talking about a professional athlete here. Yeah. Where it should be the the prerequisite to the, to the gig anyway. Yeah. If somebody just told you, Kevin, if they came to you today and said, I'll give you 50 grand if you get to whatever, 185. You'd be 185 by the spring. Oh, no kidding. I would be. <laughs> of course you would. <laughs> of course you would. If so anybody wants at- to make that offer and just <laughs> let me know, I will be there. <laughs> uh, hey, so, hey, on the flip side of that game um, was Donovan Mitchell's team. And Jake Fisher, we, we opined about this the last couple of episodes. And Jake Fisher wrote this article about how, like, there's no rush or want to to move Donovan Mitchell, despite what's going on with Evan Mobley, despite what's going on with Darius Garland, and despite that Bill Simmons and Ryan Rosillo just did a, a, a podcast entitled, you know, Mitchell Trades or something like that. You and I have talked about it. Everybody's been talking about it. Like, hey, it, do you pull the trigger now on this and just kind of reset and get the maximum value before this turns into a ask to get out or a request to go to certain places or whatever else. Do you think this is posturing value buildup or do you think legit that Cleveland really has no desire to move this guy? I really don't know what to make of it. I mean, I think you want to keep the guy, but it's a matter of uh, is that the best choice for you to make? Does he want to stay there? So I think as of now, it's just posturing. You do. And it, then it yeah. just builds up the value. Yeah. Or at least it keeps the status quo and you try to make it work in the meantime. And then you, as time passes, you find out if this is a guy who actually wants to be part of your future. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, other things we got to get to this insane Joel Embiid run. Um, the Bontemp straw poll came out and it was pretty unanimous on five guys. Uh, Embiid, Jokic, Giannis, Luca and SGA, it's still very early. It's not yet midway through the season. (laughs) (laughs) But I did find it interesting that there was such a massive drop-off to, I think the next guy on the poll was Tatum. And in the spirit of full disclosure, Bontemps texted me and asked me to send mine in, and those are the five guys I sent. Yeah, same here. I had MB, I had Embiid at the top, and I had those five guys. And I think this one is fascinating because you're you're not at the mercy of groupthink yet on the first one, and yet everybody came up with the exact five guys with no one else even close. Can we really trust the results of that poll when he's asking schmucks like you? Eh, <laughs> I mean, look, you tried, it, it said, it said, uh, I read the article. It said we polled 100 NBA insiders. So with that, obviously, I'm going Mm -hmm. to change my bio to include (laughs) NBA insider. Shouts to my guy, Tim Bontemps, Mm -hmm. um, who, 
I think the last time I was with Bon Temps, he was trying to get me and my producer Roser off of a Willy Wonka slot machine in Vegas. He was like, you guys have won enough. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> He's a very frugal man, that Bon Temps. Mm -hmm. But anyways, he, he said, I'm an NBA insider. So that's what I am. Uh, changing the bio. That's a nice guy. The, po the point is it. <laughs> the point is it. The big drop off. To anybody else, do you think there's anybody else outside of those five that could get in the mix the rest of the way? Because I thought it was pretty striking no. that there was a None big drop them. off. No, no Tatum, I mean, no Halliburton, no. no how about Edwards? So. Don't think so. I mean, typically this has been best player, best team award. I know things have changed recently. Maybe if there's missed time from one of the other guys, but like a lot of those guys are one of the best players in the league on one of the best teams in the league. So I think with Anthony Edwards, he just doesn't have the numbers on par with Luca or SGA or, or any of those guys. So no, I, I, I can't imagine that anybody else, unless there's time missed, ends up uh, getting into that top five. I know Tatum's numbers are a little down, but couldn't you see Tatum getting back in the mix? Best player, best team? No. Wow. Really? It's just been the history. The history of that award has I know, been. But but the numbers are so significant for those other guys. The MB thing. I mean, the run he is on is just crazy. He's averaging 35.1 points per game. I mean, just every night, too. Wow. You go look at those game logs and it's like, Jesus, man. You know the other team's trying to stop him. <laughs> he's right? he's even better. He's even better than the last season, man. Which I think that to me tells me more about Joel Embiid than anything else. The fact that you got, you know, you're all NBA, you got your MVP, but you did not win at the highest level. And so sometimes when they're you, you build it all up to get your respect, to get that sense of accomplishment. And that that becomes, in some ways, a finish line. You're right. At least, like, I'm stamped. I was the most valuable player of the league. But to come back and be better is, that tells you a lot about Kim as a player and as a guy. Now, he's Absolutely still got to do it. He's still got to do it at the highest level. We know that, right? That's the pressure of being a superstar. But he has been just unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I think he's runaway right now. I mean, it's him. And then I had him. I had number one on mine. Did you? I had him one on mine as well. Yep. The Sacramento Kings fans are mad at you again, Kevin. And you got me tied up in this. How are you tied up in this, Chris? Because De'Aaron Fox pulled my tweet and tweeted it out to everyone as a take. But this was before. This was before. My posts earlier in the week, like That's your right. your situation with Fox was him so quote tweeting you. I'm so about, mad at you. I'm so mad at you because I, I I I was there for De'Aaron Fox when no one was there. That's so true. You were, him, that that is true. So I, I had De'Aaron Fox him, on on a podcast when nobody was there for him. I interviewed him. I nice was guy. there watching him destroy 
Lonzo Ball in Memphis in the NCAA tournament, and I fell in love that day, and I've loved him ever since. And to see that mm-hmm. happen to me was just crucial. So here's the deal. I've long said Fox is better than Morant. Shut up. <laughs> I responded. I responded to a guy, and I said I was defending. You him. won't go that far. You won't go that far, will you? I was defending you. <laughs> but I will. And I, I will. And I said, I said, hey, the guy said, oh, of course, didn't talk about how awesome Sabonis is. Yeah, okay. all you said was that Sabonis has been awesome, this awesome for five years. That's, That's all That's pretty I much meant. all you said. And, and, and Fox, Fox was like. Fox <laughs> took it as consistency is bad. What is he talking about? I'm you like, weren't insulting. You were complimenting him. I was complimenting him. And <laughs> I, I was couldn't believe it. That if a guy, like, the reason you're not a topic on a recent podcast is because you haven't done something, like, spectacular. Like, it doesn't stand out. He's consistently great. We acknowledge and, and, that. And it's not like right? we haven't talked about Sabonis during the season. We've talked about the Kings winning games in this podcast. We've talked about, about how, how good they still are. So I'm like, this is awful. Look at what Kevin has drugged me into. Now one of my favorite players in the world thinks I'm a goof and is mad at me. <laughs> and then <laughs> yesterday someone sends me a link. It says De'Aaron Fox's wife stands up for DeMontis Sabonis. I'm like, oh my God. His wife is in it? Dude, it's like the national media and doesn't get what Sabonis brings to the table every night. I'm like, how did this happen? Friggin' Kevin. Absurd. Friggin' Kevin. Oh my God. Just the worst. Look Mm. what you've drugged me into. I'm mad at you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right, a yep. couple other things. Uh, you know, Bucks magic was going on. You know, we got the Wendell Carter. They, 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 they do. The Kings do need to make a trade. Can we? Can we mention this so we don't get any feedback? And I know this is going to hurt you. The Bucks have been absolutely off the charts, amazing. Why is that? They started. Hurt? They well, started. Why is that going to hurt me? Because you hate the Bucks. Uh, it started off five and the, four. What are you talking about? I don't hate the Bucks. I love watching the Bucks. They're fun to watch. I love Giannis. Started off five and four. They're now what? Yeah, you're a Boston guy. Twenty one and seven. Twenty one and seven for the Bucks. And Zach Lowe had this crazy statistic: Lillard, Giannis, Middleton, Lopez. When they've got those four on the court, they are a plus nineteen per one hundred possessions and a defense that would rank number one. And the point is that that is something to tuck away when it comes playoff time because that's when guys start playing 38 minutes a night. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And when they've got their best guys out on the court, they are they figured it out quick. Real quick. Yeah. Uh, I think you got to give credit to Adrian Griffin for making some adjustments over the course of the season. I mean, ever since the in-season tournament, they've kind of been less ball pressure on defense as well. They're kind of settling back into what they did last season. And these Changes probably never should have been made in the first place, but it, it's it's nice to see the Bucks figuring th- those things out pretty early on. Uh, I would I would just hope that Andre Jackson starts getting more minutes again rather than Malik Beasley. Middleton has fallen into a third man role unbelievably, and he looks the, very very and, good in recent weeks. 
and and Giannis and and Lillard simultaneously great. Their schedule has been ridiculously easy, though. I will say, when I went through and looked at their schedule, I'm like, oh my god, really? We're gonna have to get until January 11th when they play the Celtics to really find out how meaningful all of this is. But they have looked great. They're winning the games they got to, though. I mean, they blew out the Knicks a couple weeks back. They're killing they, everybody. La- yeah, Orlando last night. Orlando's been really tough. Uh, like, That's right. Like J- Jonathan Isaac had that, like that crazy double block on Giannis in one position. They're tough. They're a tough team. We just the haven't Bucks seen them play the best of the best throughout. Of course. Well, they they get two against the Knicks coming up. So I mean, they get some, yeah, some including Christmas. Yeah. But no Mitchell Robinson. That is a tough haul. All right. Last thing before we get out of here. Christmas is coming up. We're going to be excited about the Christmas games. We'll do a pod after them. Uh, three Christmas wishes. We'll go through them real quick. I've got uh, the player participation holds and that you and I are doing podcasts throughout you know, the new year with all kinds of star matchups. I think it's been amazing and worked so far. I've got that you recognize how awesome Devonta Sabonis is. I'm kidding. Uh, I've, got, uh, <laughs> I've got that young players stay out of drama. You know, it's been a bad go these last couple of years. And with Morant, that, that's Zion, a good Christmas wish. <laughs> yeah. Morant, Zion, Anthony Edwards. I mean, like, these are three of the best young American players in the world. It's like, bro, just stay out of the news for anything other than basketball. All of y'all. Um, and then I've got that the Spurs will play with a point guard the second half of the year. <laughs> uh, I I have uh the the Spurs one that this uh, but it's a little different. Uh, my Christmas wish is that the Spurs players accept that Victor Wembanyama is the guy to play through. Um, uh, I also uh, another Christmas wish. I hope for a very very active trade deadline with teams just going for it. Be like go hard for the championship here because I think the the window's wide open. That's also going to require some teams to decide that they don't want to be part of that. And then my other one is I hope the 2024 draft, I hope somebody pops. I, I think this year is fun for draft nerds because there's no consensus. Like nobody really knows who's good and who's not. It, like it's, it's a lot of disagreement in that sense, but I hope somebody pops and, and like there's that clear player that even Pistons fans could potentially feel good about at, at the end of the rainbow. Cause right now there is not that guy. Oh, stop acting like you're not going to have the French guy, number one. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I probably will. Hey, and real quick on your on, on one of your Wimbayama things, um, I know you love Tim Legler. He's great. I saw you promoting yeah. uh, his podcast. Um, I heard Legler the other day, and I thought this was really smart. He was saying he thinks Spurs are doing it 100% intentionally, not play just letting Wembeyama be one of the guys has to take yeah, off all I, pressure I, I, from him. I've said that. Like, I said that on yeah. pod a weeks ago to you. Like they want to make it hard on him. Yeah. Because it's always been easy on Wemby. Well, He's no, always but, won. but also but also take all pressure off of it for this I think year. that I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that's you know I think that's fair too. But I I do think there's an element of that where they're just kind of rolling the ball out and letting the guys just figure it out. And now, is that the All best right. approach? I mean, I, I think they need to accept that Wemby's the guy to play through and All start right. delivering the ball. Thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. Hey, look, everybody out there, we love you all. We hope you yes. have an unbelievable Christmas. If we did not talk about a subject or a team, it is because we hate them. Uh, but <laughs> we'll try to get to it next episode, okay? All right. Um, Everybody have a wonderful Christmas. You as well, Kevin, and I will talk to you next week. Merry Christmas, everybody. 
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step 53342 in Arizona. Call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. Call 1-800- 9 with it in Indiana. Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. Call 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call one 877 8 hope ny or text hope ny in new york